0: What's up, everybody? This is Mind Your Money with Miss Be Helpful, a show that highlights people and stories that will inspire you to get your money right. Kara, I'm so happy to have you here. Kara is um, the owner and creator of Bravely Go. Yes.
1: That's me. So, Kara
0: um, and I—I I mean, I had been following you for a little while, but we actually got connected through um, Berna. Hey, Berna did a week-long series of webinars for free called "Hella Helpful," and Kara was the first one. I was the second one. So naturally, you know, um, we just connected from then. And I, I, that, to me, that was such a fun webinar. Like, I loved doing that, and I just—I like had such an awesome time chatting with people that were also first-gen, that were also people of color, that were also low-income, that whatever kind of like identities overlapped with mine. It just felt so nice to have that community. Um, I don't know. Maybe you felt the same way, Kara. I thought that was just so dope to have like our own space.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yes, it was amazing. The energy was incredible. The
0: vibe was popping. It was it was awesome. <laughs> uh, okay, so I'm going to start with two fun questions and then we'll jump into, because I would love to um, learn more about your background, your upbringing, and a little bit about your early money memories and stories from growing up. Um, but first, just for fun, for the listeners who are, um, who are out there watching this, what is the one purchase that you made that was the most expensive thing you can remember buying that you still regret it to this very day? You wish you could go back in time and not spend all those dollars on that thing. What What was it?
1: Yeah. I took this trip in 2013. Um, I went to, uh, England and Ireland and I didn't plan anything. (laughs) I just like bought the ticket and went and like, you know, paid for the Airbnbs and all these things and then got there and had no, I didn't know how to get around. I didn't know what I was trying to see. And so I ended up wasting a lot of money on that trip. So on the one hand, I'm like, Oh, that was cool that I got to do that. On the other hand, I'm like, I wish I could go back
0: and redo that whole thing. Yes. <laughs> also just like, it's such a thing to, to like make those kind of mistakes early on. Like how old were you in 2013? You were probably a youngin', right? Like it was not. <laughs> yeah. Early twenties. It was like 23. There you go. Right. Like I feel like you just don't do that in your thirties. Like you just like, that just doesn't yeah. happen anymore. But I've definitely had trips like that where I was not prepared. I didn't do my research. I didn't know what my itinerary was going to be, but I was just so desperate to go and take a trip and be grown and do my own yeah. thing. Like uh mm-hmm. starting for the gram. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's what it is. All right, cool. And then on the flip side of that, what's one purchase that you made that was super expensive? You remember it to this day because you spent so much money on it. But oddly enough, you don't regret it. You actually are glad that you spent all that money on that thing.
1: You know what? Honestly, college. When I first graduated okay. college, okay. I was so frustrated with myself. And I was like, because I had all this debt and I was a waitress, and I was like, I'm never going to pay this off. I have a degree in English. This is stupid. Mm. But then I began to see like college helped me become the person I am today. It taught me how to think. It put me in connection with people that I never would have met. It gave me experiences that I never would have had I like if I that. hadn't gone. So now looking back, like I would definitely still go to the same college. I would do some things differently, but that ended up being worth it to me.
0: That's awesome. I love that because for me, I I also share that experience, although I didn't pay for college. I got a full scholarship, so I'm definitely lucky. But, But when I got there, like I just, I felt like, I didn't know, like, I felt imposter syndrome. Like, I didn't know if I belonged there. Mm -hmm. Like, I was, I talked different. Like, I was a little ghetto girl from Brooklyn. Like, I didn't, you know, and I'm at Brown with all these people who, like, are clearly kids of, like, the wealthy. And so I felt like I didn't really belong there. It was definitely, like, uncomfortable for a while. But once I found my, like, place and I figured it out, I, you're right, like I was meeting people from all over the world, like having conversations with some of the smartest freaking people that I'll ever meet and being able to network like just grow that network with other people, your age, also professors who are like you know, super accomplished and achieved and like just all these things mm-hmm. like it's just right at your fingertips right on campus, which I definitely took for granted. So I wish I could go back in time and like take more advantage of all of that that was there for me um but you know, to be 19, 2021. I was just focusing on myself and what I had going on and not taking advantage of all the resources the way I should have. Um, Mm -hmm. cool. Well, I would like to rewind a little bit and I would like to learn like your story, maybe some of your earliest memories when it comes to money, like at home, what were their, what were the conversations that your family had? Did they even talk about money? And like, what, what do you remember that probably, um, to this day, kind of, you feel like shaped you and made you um, this way and to be who you are?
1: Yeah. So I was born and raised in Massachusetts Mm -hmm. and both sides of my extended family uh, live within 45 minutes of where I grew up. My dad's originally from Dominican Uh Republic and moved to the US when he was 18. um, And then the rest of his siblings and my grandmother came over kind of like gradually over the next couple of years. Um, but my, I grew up in the house that my mom grew up in. Wow. So I'm like a, a townie in that way too. <laughs> so, um, and my mom's white. And so my parents got divorced when I was two and that kind of set the financial trajectory of the next like decade wow. of our lives. Yes. Um, it was a really messy divorce and financially my mom came out on, the wrong end Mm. we and I have two siblings so it was my mom's single parent with three kids and we were really low income for a while we were on food stamps for like six years and my mom is kind of a superhero she like went to get her master's and she worked and she's a teacher now and has really turned her life around financially in some ways but like growing up the, the clearest memories I have are like, we don't have any money. Don't ask Mm -hmm. for that. Put that back. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, like we can't do that. Um, and I grew up in a really rich town, but on kind of like the, the not rich side. So I'd go to school with all these really, really wealthy people, or I'd go to their houses and they have like seven bedrooms and a pool and like a finished basement. I used to think a finished basement (laughs) was just like, the fanciest thing in the that's world hilarious.
0: <laughs> a basement oh my goodness
1: <laughs> yes but I just like and so that's those are the earliest memories I have of money of just not not having any money and being really stressed out yeah. about money and then even when I was a little bit older you know like 15 16 17 we had definitely um my mom had gotten a lot more financially stable we had a lot more money in the household yeah. I mean, not a lot more money. It was still like my mom made like 65 grand a year, but...
0: (laughs) Classroom teacher um, salary, classroom teacher salary. Listen, I was a teacher for three years and I know that struggle. I know it well. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. And so, but we much, we were much more stable, I would say. And like we could do a lot more, which was great, but it was still like my earliest lessons were from this place of scarcity and this place of well, money isn't for me. Money is for other people and it'll always be hard for me and I'll never have it. So like, don't even think about it. And I definitely took that all the way up until my mid twenties until I was 26. And I like to tell people I had my quarter life crisis. (laughs) And that's when I realized, Oh God, I need to figure out money and I need to learn about this system because otherwise I'm going to be trapped Like forever in this low income lifestyle. Because when I graduated college, I had $25,302 in student Uh loans, which isn't the craziest amount by far. Like certainly people have way more, but it was 2011 and I couldn't find a job. So I waited tables, yeah. which is a real job, but definitely, but doesn't pay very well, no benefits, never had a 401k in my right, life. Right, And I was just like, oh, I'm going to be making $16,000 a year until I die if I don't figure money out. Right. Like, that was my wake-up call for sure.
0: Wow. Okay. So you feel like being stuck in that experience where – um, you, you felt like you were going to be waiting tables forever. You felt like you were never going to make more than a livable wage. Like that was the thing that made you just say like, okay, wake up. I need to figure out this money stuff. Because for me, like it was, I graduated also in 2011. I had $20,000 of credit card debt. And now your student loans were probably mm-hmm. like six or 7%. My, my credit card interest rate was like 27, 26. And I had one yeah. that was 22, which was my lowest. And I didn't even know what that meant. But when I finally sat down to like add up all the amounts, I was like, holy cow, how the heck did I let this get this crazy? Like over 20 grand. And and then I like sat down to like really figure out a plan. But to me, the thing that put me in my place was adding it all up and seeing that number so big. Be, like that was the scariest thing to me was just how much I had let accumulate on those credit cards. Mm-hmm. And that moment was just like, okay, I got to get it together. So you feel like for you, it was like, I cannot like accept that this is going to be my life for the rest of my life. I have to make a change so I can stop this, like this situation that I'm in right now.
1: Yeah. Well, and it was like, I was seeing all of my friends from college or from high school, get real jobs or get promotions and raises or travel or even begin to like get engaged in stuff. And I was like, how are people doing this? I can't do anything. Like I literally can't do anything. I I was making like between 800 and $1,100 a month. And I was living here in Austin. Like I had to pay rent, I had to pay Gas and car insurance. Yep. I mean, for six months when I was 26, 27, I can't quite remember, I didn't have health insurance because I couldn't afford mm. it. I was just like, no, that's not something that people like me yep. have. And then I just realized, like, the issue here is that I'm not making enough, but I also don't know anything about, like, how to make money or what's I should do with money when I yes. do get it. Yes. Like, yes. where does it go and how can I get to a place of not just stability, but all these people. Especially going to like I went to Wesleyan, uh, and like there's a lot of really rich people there, and you see like generational wealth where it's like, oh my parents just mailed me a hundred bucks, or like I go home every time I go home, my dad gives me a hundred dollar bill, and I was like,
0: yeah, seriously, (laughs) seriously, (laughs) whose parents
1: have money like that? You know,
0: like here you go, here's some money. Like what?
1: it was was crazy to me, and I realized like, okay, I bet I could do. Better than what I'm doing, if I just learn about this, like maybe I'll never be as rich as some of these people, but I should be. Richer than I am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's great. so that was yeah, definitely my moment.
0: Yeah, I mean, I hear you. Cause that that moment where you just like, all right, everything about my life is not what I want it to be. You realize the only way that you're gonna change it is if you change what you're doing. You like you have to change your behaviors. You have to change something. Otherwise, everything is gonna stay the same. And you're just like you're not you're gonna keep complaining, but nothing's gonna change. So I I mean, I remember that moment. I I hear you, girl, that is so relatable because that exact moment happened to me where I was like, all right, snap out of it. This is not how life is meant to be like I cannot keep struggling like this. Um, so tell me about now deciding to not just help yourself with your personal finances but then to actually make it a brand and to do something to help other people because that's a big decision like personal finance is so personal for you to say like I'm gonna put this out there and try to help other people what was the catalyst that led you to make that decision? So I got
1: really serious about paying off my student loans. And so that was really just me focusing on me, you know, putting my own kind of like financial mask on first, but I was blogging about it just really casually. I had my own, it was like a WordPress, you know, like caraperez.wordpress.com. Yes. Yes. Shout out to WordPress.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) And I started writing and realized, oh, you know, I'm an an English major. I love writing. And I actually really like talking about how I'm trying to strategize around my $18,000 a year, which was what I made in 2014. So I, I got really into that and then got on Twitter and realized all of these other people were talking about money and they had blogs Mm -hmm. and companies and things, but nobody that I could see at the time, again, this was late 2014, early 2015 everyone was predominantly white predominantly married and predominantly high income. And I was like, okay, well I'm financially single. Like I'm dating this guy, but we're not sharing money. You know, that's not something we're doing. We've been together three months. Um, I'm a waitress slash caterer slash high school lacrosse coach part time. (laughs) Get that money, girl. Get that money. (laughs) (laughs) Many, many side hustles in my past. And I'm making eighteen grand a year. I am trying to pay off this debt. Like there are no stories like me out there, you know? Uh so mm-hmm. what I wanted to do was try wow. and build a space for people like me, which, whether it was like I mean, obviously like I have a ton of white privilege and I really want to acknowledge that, but it's like, okay, so I am the child of an immigrant. I am a woman. I am facing like all these levels of discrimination as in society. That's and also I'm yeah. being an idiot. Like I don't know how to spend my money. <laughs> no one ever talked about this. My mom never told me. My dad never told me like, okay, where do I go? So I wanted to create a space for that. And from that, like it started online. I changed my blog name. Mm -hmm. I like did that whole thing. And then I realized I love talking. I like being with people in person. Mm -hmm. So I started to do events and then I realized, okay, well, this is a real business. Like I need
0: to get an LLC. I need to, and so it just kind of snowballed. That's awesome. I feel like that's the thing. Once you have this idea that you, it starts with just like a little passion, a little hobby. It's just like, oh, I'm just doing this to blog. I'm just doing this for myself to get out of debt and to hold myself accountable. Yeah. And other people see it and they're like, wait, hold up. This is a lot of value because I know that I need this. And I know nobody else is really explaining this in that way. You know, like, I mean, I feel like that's how my YouTube took off because I just started first just posting videos about like my own story. I was like, yo, this is how I paid off my Mm -hmm. credit card debt. This is how I improved my credit score super fast. If I could do it, you could do it. I didn't know anything about this two weeks ago and here I am like you know and so Mm -hmm. that people saw that and they're like wait hold up we could do this too and like I think that's the that's that moment where you realize like oh this becomes something bigger this becomes something else like other people want this and need this and like they're looking for this you know like that to me that that was what inspired me at least to keep creating to keep offering stuff you know whether that's webinars whether that's workshops whatever like I just wanted to keep on doing it because I knew I enjoyed it but also because it helped people like it was actually helping people. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. I used to get so many emails and notes and comments on the blog of like, oh my God, this is so helpful that you broke down, Mm -hmm. you know, like the debt snowball versus the debt avalanche or that you talked about what you did with your paycheck, Mm -hmm. like where you put
0: every dollar, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, that that makes so much sense. Okay. So take us back to your waitressing. You are like realizing, okay, this is not going to cut it. Like you had all these side hustles. What was the thing that really like that changed, like what did you do to change this situation and to actually, you know, become the kind of person who's actually self-sufficient, and independent financially? What were some of the major things that you started doing or that you stopped doing?
1: The first thing I did was Google how to pay off student loans <laughs> <Yeah>. faster.
0: <laughs> like, Come, on, Google. To, Come on, Google. I went to Professor <laughs>
1: Google. I was like, hey, what's going on here? Right. So I think, I think sometimes it's so intimidating to hear stories like ours because it is like relatable, but it's also, Oh well I, I don't I don't know where to yeah. start. So literally I just Googled God. it.
0: Yes.
1: <laughs> and so I found all of these blogs, right? And um, these Twitter accounts and all of these things. <clears throat> and I just read other people's stories and just picked up tips. So I read I remember reading someone saying, you know, I stopped driving Mm. and I started riding my bike and I was like, Oh my God, I have a bike and I almost never use it. A lot of little lifestyle changes in the very beginning. I just said to myself, you know, why not? Why, why not try this? And so like I had this job at a catering company. And a cool thing about catering is that there's usually leftovers and either they get thrown in the trash or people like me take them home. And so I was like, Oh, I can take home all of this food. And then I don't have to buy as much food so I can make an extra $30 payment on my loans. You know, it wasn't super glamorous. It wasn't like I magicked up an extra $10,000 a month. It was like, this is 30 bucks, but it will make a difference.
0: Yes, it will. (laughs) Yes, it will. Um,
1: And so that is, that's really how I got started. And then they they just kind of compounded on top of each other literally the actions I was taking oh I'm gonna bike I'm gonna walk I'm not gonna go out tonight I'm not gonna get I'm not gonna give anyone Christmas presents one year I told my whole family I, I was whole, like look
0: I'm too poor for I this. have a whole <laughs> video about how I don't give presents why because it's you just putting yourself in debt don't do it yeah and honestly
1: most of the time it's like junk that people get rid of in three exactly. months so exactly
0: uh yeah so i didn't do that for a year and all of it it added up literally and figuratively that is so true. And I think that's the thing too. You have to start getting creative about the little things because unless you're trying to go out here and do something crazy, like big to create a business or to create a bunch of money, like really fast, it's not going to happen overnight unless you're going to do something mm-hmm. radical. And if you're not, if you're just going to live your normal life, then you have to start making small incremental changes. It's just like what you said, you know, for me, that was yes. meal prepping instead of buying lunch. Cause in New York city, a mm-hmm. lunch will cost you 15 to $20 Ooh. every day for one lunch. So imagine doing that every single day. You're spending hundreds of dollars every month just buying lunch, let alone breakfast, let alone dinner. So for me, it was meal prepping. For me, it was no no shopping, like cutting back to shopping, cutting back, going out, hanging out, brunch, all those kinds of like social, like lifestyle kind of things. I was like, all right, look. I cannot, like, I can't keep pretending that this is a lifestyle that I can afford to live just for the gram, just for Facebook, just for my friends. I have to be realistic. Mm -mm. I can't afford that right now. In the future, if I really want to do it, I'll be able to do it. But right now, nah, I I just got to cut it. So, you know, those are the things, those small incremental changes. It's also, it's a way easier place to
1: start with budgeting and cutting out than it is with earning more money. And I totally advocate for earning more money. Like earning more has changed my life. And I think especially for communities of color and first gen kids, it's so important to negotiate for more, to ask for more and to get into a high paying field. That's right. But I, it like, that's not an immediate action you can take, you know, you can't wake up and be like, I'm earning more today. I'm going to like get a a raise from my boss today. We don't know, maybe you can ask, but like the boss isn't necessarily going to be like, here's a check for 15 grand. Exactly. Versus, you can wake up and say, I'm not eating out today. And exactly. so that's that $15 you can save immediately. So that I think that's so an true. instant win that gives you this like, oh yeah,
0: I am that bitch. Like I'm Lizzo up in here. I can yep. do that. Yep. <laughs> that's so that is so good. Like in, in my webinar, I called, I, I said that, I talked about that. And I was like, you guys, like this is in your locus of control. Like, what is in your like locus of control? You can't control whether your boss is gonna approve your, your request for an increase in salary. You cannot approve, you cannot mm-hmm. control whether. It's Somebody's going to hire you to do a side gig that's going to bring you up. But what you can control is what you're doing with your dollars right now. Cut back exactly. on your thing as much as you can. And when you can't cut back anymore, okay, fine. Then start generating income. But I think another another reason why that point is such a good point is because it, let's say you skip to the point where you just start bringing in more money. But you never actually learned how to manage your money that you did have. Mm-hmm. Even, the little, even the little bit of $18 an hour, whatever little money you had. If you never learn to manage that and to control that, what makes you think that earning more is all of a sudden going to solve the, the problem of you not being able to manage what you have? It's just not. Yeah. It's not going to. You know, it's not going to 100%. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's so, 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 so relevant. I think you got to start with what you can control and then eventually obviously build your way up to earning more and to adding more money. hundred percent. I agree. Once I started making more money, I was like, oh, this is the, this is, this is what I was, this is what I needed to be doing the whole time was focusing on more money. Hello, make it rain, make it rain. But, you know, but at the same time, at that point, I already knew how to manage it. So I wasn't going to be irresponsible with the, the more money that I was bringing in because I, I right. had my priorities straight at that point on. Okay, well that was that's awesome. I love those tips. I love that story that inspired you to like just get up and share with people and like, you know, those are the types of things I feel like more people need to hear because there's so many people out there with a passion for something and they're just sitting in their house and they're just thinking about the passion, or maybe they spend some time doing it. But if you really start to share it with other people, it can become a community and a source of like inspiration and positivity for you. And I I always encourage people to do it, even if it's literally just like a private Facebook group for other people who like to cook or like like a little YouTube channel for your family about, you know, Mm -hmm. what, but like just whatever it is, like something that allows you to have that creative outlet because it it can be such a source of positivity in people's lives. Like it's almost like a little therapeutic, you know, to have like a little community that you can Mm -hmm. always go to. So I love that. Um, so for you guys who do not know, we bravely go on Instagram, um, tell them everywhere else that they can find you. And then I'm going to ask you some fun question, a fun question at the end. Yeah,
1: so you can find me. My website is bravelygo.co. It rhymes, bravelygo.co. Yeah. And then on Twitter, at bravelygo. But Instagram's my main jam, so follow me there. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's where I'm at. That's
0: where I'm at. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, you guys know how to find Kara. So Kara, what I do is, um, for those of you who don't um, listen to the Tim Ferriss podcast, one of the things that he does in every episode, he asks the guests to, uh, if they could take over every billboard in the country and put a, a slogan on it, a motto or, or something on there, what would they put? Um, and then also Deezus and Miro do this, but they're like, put your, what would you want to put on your rainbow or in the bodega? Like, like what do you want it to say? So I'm going to do that, a similar thing here where I want you to leave everybody with uh, some sort of a quote, or inspiration, a motto, a slogan. Um, but it's going to go on a dollar bill. So we're, we're going to erase the United States of America over the, the dollar bill. Sorry, USA. And we're going to replace it with your quote, uh, your wisdom. So what do you want the dollar bill to say?
1: Financial education is
0: revolutionary. <laughs> so yes. yes, Oh, my Lord. Yes, yes. It is revolutionary. Hello. It's
1: revolutionary. It's revolutionary for you individually. Like, obviously, we have revolutionized our own financial lives, and it's revolutionary for generations. If you teach Mm -hmm. your kids and your cousins and everyone, you get the whole fam involved. And it's also revolutionary on a societal scale. If you're like, hey, now that I understand how money works, like in the government, I can vote for this candidate that I agree with, or I can say that this policy doesn't work and we need to get that out of here, or something, you know? So, financial education
0: is revolutionary. That's awesome. I love that. Leaving us on a an empowering note. All right, you guys, that's Kara. Kara from Bravely Go. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today, girl. I love this. Um, and keep doing you, girl. You're doing your thing. I love it. Thank you. Right back at you.